Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I'm your host, Wim Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors begin the uh, post-trade deadline era, the uh, push and pee, aka push in for the play-in era with a shocking meltdown, one that truly leaves you um, a little bit haunted. I'm not going to lie, a little bit haunted. Uh, this game where they lose by a score of 122 to 116 um, against the Utah Jazz. The reason I'm saying that is because of the fact that the Raptors, they weren't ever like firmly in control. It wasn't like they were just like completely done and the game was in the bag. But the Raptors are up 12 with four minutes left, um, going to the free throw line for the first time in that fourth quarter. And it was looking... Not great, but it was looking fine. Like, you were feeling okay. And then the Raptors end up losing. And and here's a crazy stat from um, from Eric Kareen of The Athletic. The Utah Jazz scored on their last 14 possessions. The, the Utah Jazz scored on their last 14 straight possessions. Now, there's a couple of things you can really break into there. And honestly, until you really dig into the film and look at all the individual mistakes breakdowns it's hard to specifically say uh with total certainty what happened but let's be honest I, I think there are two main factors number one the raptors just could not guard the drive at all no ability whatsoever to contain dribble penetration and when the the utah jazz were able to get downhill they were able to, able to finish and one layups through contact where the raptors were way too late and also just way too soft in terms of closing out on that, I mean, look, listen, if you're going to foul because you got beat, at least beat them and, and make them make two free throws instead of getting up and ones down the stretch. And then the other aspect, to me, was just the officiating. And the officiating, by the way, was something that I'm sure Nick Nurse will be complaining about. He probably is right now in the Raptors media room right now trying to avoid that fine because I'm sure he was upset. I'm upset, too, watching this game, particularly in the fourth quarter, although it was happening throughout the course of the game. The Raptors got called for 30 fouls. The Utah Jazz got called for 20. And now, listen, two, the two teams play very different defensive um, schemes. So I understand that there's going to be some natural variation just based on sort of the style of play. But the way this fourth quarter started, for me, was unacceptable. The Utah, the Utah Jazz at one point led 7 to nothing in foul calls in the fourth quarter. The Raptors had committed five fouls in the first two minutes of the of the fourth quarter how i'm not entirely sure you can go back and watch the plays again individually i'm sure many of those were fouls or ticky tack fouls the thing is there was an inconsistency about this game there was contact there's a physical game from the utah jazz they're a physical team they play a lot of big guys down low they bump you on you drive to the basket there is no reason for that to be a five nothing foul disparity to in two minutes to start the fourth quarter and not only does that put the raptors in the bonus or not the, does that put the, the, the Jazz in the bonus, but that takes an opportunity where you have multiple defenders who are literally afraid to foul out. Fred's on five fouls. His first foul at the start of the fourth quarter on a nothing play, just an absolutely nothing play. Like, yes, there's contact. It doesn't affect the play whatsoever. It's a play that is, happens 95% of the time without a foul call. You have that called as a foul. You got Pascal picking his fifth foul. You got Jacoperto picking his fifth foul. this guy just came back to Toronto, and, and guess what? It's right back to the same whistle he had in 2017 where Jacoperto plays 17 minutes off the bench and has five fouls. Like, it's just unacceptable the way the officiating was, was made today. And I think that really started to open the door. But having said that, though, the Raptors were still in a good position where they can still control their own destiny. 
And that's where they did not do enough to solve that. Uh, defensively, you did not see any adjustments from Nick Nurse at the end of the game to solve that. I think especially when you saw how many times Colin Sexton was able to drive downhill and score with you at the basket or dump it off to the next guy for a layup, or how often uh, Talon Horton Tucker was able to get downhill. I'm sorry, but the Utah Jazz shot 6-24 of 24 from three tonight. Their guards, especially those two main ball handlers, Colin Sexton and, uh, and Talon Horton Tucker, shot a combined 0 for 5 from three. Would it kill you to go under one screen? I know the Nick Nurse said before the game, by the way, someone was asking about, oh, um, you have Yako Proto in your lineup now. Are you going to be able to play different defensively? And he was talking about, well, you know, Yak plays a lot of drop coverage. We don't really do that here. And I'm like, hold on. What do you mean we don't do that here? What, why would you just rule out one defensive strategy, which is very commonly employed by some of the very best defenses out there? Why would you just rule that out? Why would you say we don't do that here? What do you mean we don't do drop coverage here? You do drop coverage when it makes sense to do drop coverage. You do drop coverage in a game like this where you can really protect against the driver. Or, and better yet, maybe you don't do drop coverage. Maybe you go under a screen once in a while. Did I see one open jumper from Taylor Horn Tucker or Colin Sexton? I'm, I'm so sick of the way the Raptors were able to guard the perimeter tonight and how often they allowed the dribble penetration. Or maybe, listen, you know, Nick Nurse, you're really famous for that zone, right? Put that zone in for a little bit, right? Something. 14 straight possessions for the Utah Jazz down the stretch. How is that acceptable? Especially after this game, we made that trade deadline. Okay, everyone's a little confused, but fine. Okay, well, let's try to make that push. If that's what we're trying to do, we're trying to push. We're trying to push. Can we make that push? You just lost to Utah Jazz last week. You're back home in Toronto. Can you close out this game? You can't. Right? There's that aspect. And then offensively, I have no idea what the Raptors are doing because the whole game, Pascal Siakam's cooking. 12 of 21 tonight for 35 points. Guess who doesn't touch the ball down the stretch? Five, six minutes in a row, he doesn't touch the ball in a meaningful way. The one time I saw Pascal Siakam touch the ball, besides missing a corner three at the end, which whatever, I'm not blaming that on him, when he's five of seven from three for half your team's threes, the one time you saw him touch the ball down the stretch to initiate offense was, was five seconds left. He's catching the ball at the three-point line because the Raptors are running some random two-man game with Scotty and Precious in the corner. What does that make? How does that make sense? Or Fred with another pick and roll. Or Gary Trent with another mid-range jumper on the... like. What are we doing? Like, what are we doing? Like, your fourth quarter offense, it's very simple stuff. You put the ball in the hands of your best player. There was no reason why you wouldn't do that tonight with Pascal. Pascal was getting by his guy. He was knocking down shots. He was giving other guys open opportunities. Why would you not give the ball to him? And, of course, when you miss shots, the Jazz go the other way, and they score, and your transition defense is bad. Man, this is a frustrating loss. I was not expecting to see the turnaround from the second half of the season to look like this. I mean, maybe that makes that, that just makes me foolish. Maybe that makes me too much of a hopeful person in terms of like what the Raptors could do. But this is just such a bad taste in your mouth. Welcome to the Toronto Raptors. Once again, Yaka Proto. It's a lot different than what it was in 2018 when you left. This is what you can expect. I can't believe what I saw tonight. And also, speaking to the point with Yaka Proto, you, if you get a player like Yaka Proto and you're saying, well, he needed a center. Okay, so you don't start him tonight fine okay um i i suppose i understand that uh maybe you got to play the politics a little bit whatever um but okay you bring yaka proto in you don't want to anoint him right away sure but in a game like this down the stretch when you need to win it do we not make some substitutions the utah jazz are going downhill to the basket every single time and where is your shot blocker on the bench and that's not to say well come on will he's got five thousand seventeen minutes whole yo the whole starting five has five fouls man like put him in the game 
What do you? What'd you bring him in for? I thought we were winning every single game, right? I thought we were winning every single game. Walker Kessler with another twenty-three points and nine rebounds today, largely matched up against the Toronto Raptors starters. Like, what are we doing? I, I can't believe what I'm watching. I really can't believe what I'm watching. You shouldn't believe what you're watching. This is not to say that this team is not good. There are clear extended stretches where the Raptors play good basketball. Lots of good plays from this game. Scotty Barnes with a huge dunk. You know, Precious Achua with a couple of huge dunks. Chris Boucher with a de- definitely a huge dunk. You know, like Pascal was cooking and him knocking down threes was great to see. And, you know, all that, even Jakob Proto coming in, I, I really liked it. I mean, obviously he was never going to dominate the ball. He's not that kind of player. But, you know, you see him making the little plays all the time. You know, like you see him setting screens and every single time Jakob Proto sets a ball screen, the guy's open. He sets a pin down screen, the guy's open. I mean, the only time is the screens don't work is when the officials call him for fouls like they did with two fouls in the first minute after he checked into the game. I'm sick of the officiating. I'm sick of the way they managed this game. But honestly, Jakob Proto was, was, a, was a breath of fresh air coming in and immediately making an impact, challenging, challenging shots at the basket. I think Utah, one of their only misses down the stretch, someone drove and missed a dunk because Jakob was in the area to contest it. There's at least some presence there. So why is it in the game to close the, the fourth quarter? Like, I don't understand when Utah's going to the basket every single time. What This game just makes no sense. You know, and that's where, to me, it's like, look, I am, I'm not saying that Utah has chopped liver. Like, there's a good team, right? You, you know, they they don't have a – obviously, they, they moved away from Mike Conley. Well, they still have uh, some really, really good forwards in the front court. By the way, Laurie Markin in 23 um, and Kessler with 23. And then even Kelly Olenek with 15 was, was a huge positive with eight assists as well. They're able to move the ball. They're able to attack. This is a big team. Why don't you put your size on the floor against them? Right, and then ultimately, you could say all this about the players. You you could say this all this about the coaching staff. You could say about the officiating. The players got to do better. The players got to do better. Straight up, the players got to do better. I, I I'm not sure what the decision making was from some of the guys tonight. Fred VanVleet calling his number quite a few times in the pick and roll. Listen, I understand. Jakob Pro is going to set great screens for you. You're going to be open. That does not mean you need to look for the shot each each and every single time. And of course, Fred defensively tonight, was not able to play. I mean, listen, if they're going to call every single foul, Fred's going to definitely foul out because all he does is swipe at the ball nonstop, right? So, of course, if that's the way the game is going to be called, he's going to be in a lot of trouble. And tonight, with five personal fouls, it was certainly in trouble in a lot of this game. But I'm talking about more on the offensive end of the floor. Like, yes, you are going to be able to be open because Jakob Proto is going to set a solid screen for you. But you cannot be looking for the shot every single time, right? What about getting into the lane, paint, touch, kick out? What about that, right? And then Gary Trent... Started the game really slow over the course of the game. Missed a lot of open threes. You know, two of nine from three tonight is definitely a lot lower than what he could have done, especially considering how open some of his looks were. But I can't put it on him when he's also out there hustling and getting steals on, on defense and going the other way in transition and, 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 you know, finishing dunks and stuff like that. Like, I, I think there was a real positive in his, in his game tonight. So 20 shots, he's going to be another guy who's going to get more offense because of a guy like Yak, because of the fact that Yak is really good at setting that screen, getting him open, and, and you're able to take the space for the mid-range jumper or, or whatever you want to do. But it's going to be a godsend for guards. These guys are going to have to learn how to cut back door, though, because there's going to be a lot of those opportunities as well. Honestly, the way the, 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 what, the film that Gary and Fred should be watching a lot of is what Doug McDermott used to do when he was teammates with Yaka Proto as recently as you know, earlier this week. Because there is a real off-ball movement and art to it when these shooters are able to get you know um, and capitalize off of the clean looks. But listen, tonight, I mean... It, it just wasn't enough from them. I would say that probably 70% of these are good looks, but you can't settle for them as, as often. And again, defensively, though, that's where just, you know, Fred had no answers for Sexton. Gary had no answers for Sexton. You know, even like trying to guard THT. Like, 
can we just can we kill the Raptors and go under a ball screen? Like I, I'm, I understand. Like it's all about ball pressure. We got to force turnovers out of them. And 17 turnovers out of Utah, like that's a big reason why the Raptors were able to sort of like you know be in winning positions at times. But like down the stretch when they're literally going downhill every single time, why would you consistently press up on the perimeter? And allow the blow by, invite the blow by, especially when you know you can't really challenge at the rim because all you guys have five fouls and the refs are, you know, blowing the whistle every single time. Like, it just, it just, just doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't make sense to me. And it's such a shame because the Raptors played well for three freaking quarters. They were, they were up four, 12 with four minutes left and they just completely blow it. And it, they don't give the ball to their best player. They don't play defense the way they can. I mean, I, I don't understand the defensive potential of this team is good. Look at the defenders on paper, right? And if the results are like this, can we not please find another way to guard? It can't just be every single game. The player's got to put more effort. Like, there has to be more brains involved in sort of how you put this together, right? And you know what? If, you, if, you're, if you're Masai and you're truly evaluating this, I mean, first off, the, the, the conclusion of the evaluation was we get Yakuparo, we plug him in, which... Oh, I mean, wow, okay, all right. That, I suppose that is one potential outcome or conclusion, but it's not the conclusion I, I'm sure a lot of people didn't come to. And I'm not giving up after that over one game, especially as, as after I saw a lot of positives from this one. Um, but can we also look at the other aspects? Can we look at the coaching? Of this? Does it make sense? When we take a step back from the game to game and took an overall look, does it make sense to play defense like this with this group? Does it make sense that this group of defenders with their size and their athleticism and whatever, maybe they don't all like rotate together and all that kind of stuff, although they did that to start the game. Can we just do better? Because, man, this was hard to watch. The, to see the Raptors get punked like that on their home court, once again, down the stretch, losing the fourth quarter, 39-20, to 20, is nobody's idea of getting excited for a play-in push. Like, I cannot believe that we just went through all of this and this is how we started the, 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 the second half of the season here. And it's not a half. It's like the second, the third third, I suppose, is, is really how it is. So, oh, man, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't usually get that upset after games anymore this season, especially because they've had so many letdown performances that I've sort of learned to sort of laugh it off. But I just, the more I'm thinking about this game, the more I'm think, processing how it wrapped up here, it's just unbelievable. And if I open up my media tab here and I, and I see some complaints by Nick Nurse about the coaching staff and, and no specific accountability for his own decisions in this game, or if he blames the players for, 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 for the compete, I'm trust me, I'm keeping a close eye on this one. I just really want to see what he says. So far right now, it's, it's, uh, it's been 15 minutes since the game's ended. I don't see a single quote from the reporters. They must be taking their sweet time in there. This is, this is longer than usual. For the reaction, so, but let's let's get into the player performances. Obviously, let's get into um, let's get into Yakuporto first. Why not? Because he's the man of the hour, right? So he comes back, you know, gets he comes off the bench. Um, Nick said that you know he had, they haven't even got him into a practice yet. So I understand the idea of bringing him off the bench, but clearly when he came into the game, he knew how to play. There were certain instances where you see like Fred directing him and pulling him aside and being like, "Okay, come here for this play. Come here for this play." Like that's normal, especially on your first day. But generally speaking, it wasn't like he was getting in the way. You know, he was setting really, really good screens. Again, like simple things. Like his first basket back as a Raptor was he set a hard ball screen for Pascal. 
Pascal turned down the middle of the lane and then hit the bounce pass to uh, Jakob, who finished and won at the basket. Now, he missed the free throws. He's 2 of 7 from free throws. You know, that's actually an aspect that has been a weakness of his, and it remains a weakness despite the fact that he's shifting to essentially one-handed shots now. And it's getting him better percentages, but clearly he's very inconsistent still. I wouldn't say any one-handed free throw shooter is a very consistent one. But still, you know, the simple things like working in a pick and roll and scoring in that fashion and the two baskets that Jakob Roto had tonight – um, one of those was a what pick and roll. Another one, he got fouled on the pick and roll and stuff like that. So, you know, you have that aspect. But I think more importantly, it's not about his scoring. It's about how he's able to make the plays for others. And there's small things that I think other teammates are going to have to learn how to use, right? For example, something very, very clever, and it's not in the box score. In fact, it's actually a turnover for the Raptors, is in this game, uh, in the first quarter when Yak first subbed in, he set a ball screen for Fred, right? Um, and then... Uh, uh, you know, Jakob rolled down the lane and he stopped short all the, of going all the way to the basket and he flipped that into a second screen where he pinned his own man, um, which is known essentially as the Gortat screen. Marching Gortat was a master at this. And having freed up the ball handle to get downhill in the first place with the first screen, the second screen then takes away the help from your own man, which just allows your guard to then beat his guard one-on-one at the rim. Fred was not able to read this in time and decided to then flip it back into like a little drop pass for pressure for, for uh, Yak down low, which is, I suppose, an acceptable option. Um, but at the same time, like that's just a play where if you see that and you get that chemistry going together, you can have much more open looks at the basket. Um, and so I, I just think that, again, like even though the, the numbers aren't great, I just think that in terms of like no one's really writing home about six points, four rebounds, two assists. Uh, especially with three turnovers, although some of those were, I think two of those at least were moving screens, um, including one where he wasn't even moving at all, man. Like, oh, my God. But, um, yeah, uh, I, I think he was definitely able to 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 make wing, winning plays and, and, and small plays that really helped the game, you know. And, you know, there's a lot of screen assists in there, and I'm sure no one really wants to hear about screen assists, but truly that's an aspect of the game that he's bringing in. Um, you know, and yeah, he, he did when he was in the game, I thought the defense looked pretty solid. I really thought the defense looked pretty solid. I mean, the foul calls are whatever, but like, really, I thought he was able to change a couple of baskets. It was a play where just him like dropping back on defense forced the opposing driver to then pull up for mid range jumper. And listen, obviously open mid range jumpers are great and you're not going to get a turnover when you, when you play drop coverage, but you might force the other team to, you know, not go all into the basket and score. So like, you know, again, I, they just have to really think about this one, man. Just think about it. Don't be stubborn. Like, I, I, I just I couldn't believe what I was hearing when I saw when I heard Nick say that pregame because I was so used to Nick saying that. Like, um, you know, I'm so used to the idea of Nick being like a creative coach, a pragmatic coach who's like able to make the right decision and and not just make the right decision, but like play in a variety of ways for whatever situation that makes sense. And. To hear him just say, we don't play drop coverage, like, I, I get it. Like, the Raptors don't play a lot of drop coverage, but, like, what does that mean? That cannot be a hard and fast rule. Like, I'm losing my mind, man. Like, the Raptors played a lot of drop coverage back in the day. When they had Serge and Bach in the game, they largely played drop coverage. Like, I don't know when the Raptors shifted to this, like, we got to pressure the ball no matter what. Like, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to mug the ball handler every single time down the floor and four stops that way? Otherwise, you give up layups? Like, stupid way to play defense. Um, but yeah, Yak was, you know, he, he was exactly kind of what you expected. I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm sure, obviously, I, I've watched Jakob 
um, very closely when he was in Toronto. Um, I've seen him a decent amount when he's in San Antonio as well. Obviously, you're not going out of your way to watch San Antonio, but they end up being the late game quite a bit. And so I end up seeing like a decent amount of them. And this is kind of what you can expect. I, I do think that there are definitely when he gets adapted more to the offense, I think. And, and you know, there's going to be easier ways for him to work with other, other guys. He's never going to be the one who's scoring that much, although we've seen some big scoring games from him. But you really do need shooters and guys who are able to 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 make plays, um, you know, uh, with like off a of pick and roll with him because he is going to get these guys open. And I think on another night, Fred and Gary can definitely get some great looks. I mean, they probably already got some great looks here tonight, but get some even easier looks playing with Yak. But there's going to be some, I think you got to play the, the two-man game and let that marinate. There's got to be like two-man synergy as well. It can't just be only for the guards to shoot. And also, by the way, you, you get free off the high screen, like I said, touch the paint, kick it out, swing the ball, move, move, move. Don't just like, oh, I'm open off the high screen now. I'm going to pull up every time. Like, don't you know, still, that's that's not great. Um, but yeah, I thought Yak played well. Pascal obviously played fantastic. Um, you know, 35 points, six rebounds, four assists, three steals. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, he, he was able to obviously knock down the threes. You definitely need to rely on the jumper a little bit against this team because of the fact that, you know, they have enough size in the middle to really affect your shot. Um, but, you know, I, I like the fact that Pascal was able to work in the mid-range a couple of times, get to the basket, you know, draw the free throws, go quickly as well. I just I don't I didn't see any real flaws with how he played this game. Um, you know, you might say a couple of times, okay, you, you could not always rely on the back down ISOs, but that's the way the Raptors have played with him all season. It's like you have Pascal attack, force his advantage, draw the help, and then play from there. Whether you're going to shoot over the top, which is rare, you're probably going to pass him more often than not, which is the right play, and Pascal does make the right play most of the time. That's the way to go. But, you know, I, I just I don't understand for the life of me how they stop feeding him the ball down the stretch. Like, it's not like, okay, you want to – I just – I don't get it. I really don't get it. And it wasn't like anybody on that team was uh, stopping him either, especially when he was trying to initiate. Um, but I'm happy that he was able to play this in this way. I like that he got Jakob his first basket coming back. Um, I thought, you know, he, he played well, made the extra passes, you know, that were there. I thought even defensively he was good. Like the rotations at the start were actually quite solid. Utah was just able to score um, against a couple of breakdowns here or there, just a couple of loose balls that was kind of like keeping them alive a little bit here and there. But... Still, um, I thought Pascal's defense was better, especially better than the last time the Raptors played Utah. Um, so there was that. I thought Scotty got into the game a little bit too late. Um, you know, I think at the start of the game, he was definitely distributing, which is good. That You always like to see that. But I think at one point he had zero points uh, and eight assists. And that's not to say that you don't want high assists. Of course you do. But I just want to see him getting to the basket and then making the play from there. And of course, if you got to kick it out and if you got it and that's the right play, by all means, right? But, you know, a lot of situations, it just wasn't, it just didn't look like he was looking to attack. Missed his open threes, which, whatever, we know that the catch and shoot is not something that is a specialty of his right now. And that, um, you know, that's going to be inconsistent. It's one of the issues with building a team like this is that you will be relying on shooting deficient front courts. And today, Precious and Pascal combined for seven of 11 shooting from three. That's a, that's that's like a miracle how good of a three-point shooting performance from those two that you got tonight. So you, you got to really try to capitalize on that. Um, but, yeah, you didn't get that three from from Scotty. But, you know, I thought in the second half, especially in that third quarter, towards the end there, he got a couple of those to drop. He, he, he missed a couple of dunks as well, so it wasn't like he wasn't taking it. But, you know, he, he got in a couple of times. He was able to create a couple of baskets. He actually was able to score the Raptors' last field goal of the night. Uh, with a driving score through contact that made it a uh, 116 or 117 game 
um, with about a minute left. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I think otherwise, you know, uh, he's going to have to. It's a bit of adjustment for sure because again, you you brought in someone else who's new, who's going to play center that pushes pressures more to the forward position. Um, you know, that pushes Scotty definitely more towards the wing on the perimeter, and so that's where the Raptors' offense is just you got to drive. I mean, aside from Pascal, who can really get a shot, um, everyone else has really just got to be able to, you know, get downhill and touch the paint and make their next pass out. And so that's where you need to see more of those drives completed. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't think it was like a bad game. I just think for Scott, he started slow, which is like, I mean, how many times have we said that, right? Uh, 12 points, 7 rebounds, 9 assists. I'll take that. A couple of times he was late to rotate at the basket. Not going to single him out, though, because the Raptors, again, gave up 14 straight scores to Utah at the end of the game. 14 straight scores. It was like a 19-2 to run. I, I, I just, oh, my God. This 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 freaking team. Um, what else? I, I thought they had the guards shot a little bit too often. I really do think that they could have had a more opportunities to set the offense up. Especially down the stretch, like, like I don't even understand. For Nick Nurse to call timeout, okay, your, your team's down six. You call one of your remaining timeouts, and you're like, okay, let's settle this thing in. What's the first one we get? Like, a Gary Trent Marine jumper? Like, that can't be your go-to play. Like, I mean, yeah, of course he's good at those, but, like, just get the ball to Pascal, man. Like, go from there. And then, yeah, how are you going to close the game? I mean, look, I, I think the bench was okay. Um, you know, Thad came in for 12 minutes, you know, got a couple of steals here or there. Again, he just looks really old. I just don't understand. How is Thad still playing center? Now that you have a center, especially if you brought one off the bench, is Thad still playing center? Right? And then Chris, you know, was um, – Missing some open looks at the start of it, there's no doubt. But then he had just a phenomenal dunk. Two hands against Kelly Olenek, violent kind of play. Uh, after Chris had missed a couple of you know, layups and stuff, he decided to go super strong, and he took it in super strong. I mean, overall, he was, he was okay. I mean, defensively, you know, um, I don't know. He, he did get torched a little bit by Rudy Gay, but hey, this, is, this is a pretty standard, I guess, Chris Boucher kind of game. Um, and then, yeah, Malachi, you know, Played six minutes. I know Nick Nurse was, or I know Messiah was talking about in his in his press conference. You know, we got to play Malachi and, and, and Delano Banton more, and got to let these guys develop. And, and Nick Nurse's response was, "Bet we're gonna play Malachi six minutes." And yeah, I mean, Malachi missing a wide open three, had a turnover. That is, I don't know. It was kind of a ho hum kind of thing, but essentially he was not involved. And once again, you see it's a heavy minutes from your guards, and this is despite foul trouble and. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. It's it's not like the center position wasn't an issue. And, of course, you you did upgrade there. I think Jakob, especially when he's able to play more minutes, he made a lot of winning plays. I really, really liked his performance tonight. I, I think even though this is like very much like a very average performance from him, I think there's definitely a good sign here in terms of what more he can do. But I just, you know, um, yeah. There are other problems, and I think it's going to require both the, the players to obviously play better, but it's also going to be up to the coach to solve this, man. And, like, no more stubbornness. Like, let's be pragmatic about how we play. I just don't understand. If, if you're – how do you allow 14 straight scoring possessions? And it's not like Utah was running, like, you know, 14 different plays. High pick and roll with T- Taylor Horn Tucker or with Colin Sexton – and you let him get downhill every single time, and you don't have your seven-footer that you traded here for defense. Oh, brother. Um, okay, in order to wrap up the show, uh, your three stars from tonight's game. Uh, first star is gone Pascal, 35 points, six rebounds, four assists, three steals, uh, five threes. You know, named an all-star today as, a, as an injury replacement. 
I mean, showed why he's clearly obviously at an all-star level. Uh, I just wish that they, you know, played the game through him, you know, offensively down the stretch in the last five minutes. But, you know, um, I don't know. I'm sure the, 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 the you know, the, the genius coach has, has an explanation for that one. Um, your, your second star, man, I'll, I'll give it to Gary, I suppose. I mean, I think he was definitely picked on defensively a little bit down the stretch, him and Fred in particular. Um, but yeah, 19 points, five rebounds, four assists, three steals. By the way, five rebounds, four assists is the most combined rebounds and assists for Gary this season. This is courtesy of, uh, of, uh, big V Vivek Jacob who joined us on the Raptor show uh, this afternoon when the vibes were different. Um, yeah, he, he, look, listen, he got out to a slow start, but you know, I thought he was involved. I thought he played well. I thought he hustled back and got himself back into a lot of possessions. And, you know, the steals from behind and some of that were very exciting to watch. And, um, yeah, you know, I think there's uh, even some, like, minor things in terms of the chemistry there, him and him and Jakob. I think they're going to combine to get each, you know, Jakob's going to continue to get Gary open shots. It's just for Gary understanding that, like, those open shots don't necessarily mean all that he has to do for himself. Like, I do think that this is an opportunity for Gary to learn how to make the next play. Um, and I think him having four assists is, is, again, I have to go back and watch those four assists, but um, I, my guess is that some of that is a product of him having more opportunities to attack off a high screen. Uh, and then your third star, I mean, I don't know, man. Maybe Precious, I don't know. He took a three out of turn in the fourth quarter. Again, it's just like, Fourth quarter, Precious Achua shooting like with 15 seconds left on the clock on a three. Like, yeah, you're you're semi open, but like, or you're even if you're fully open, like, you just gotta. Just, I can't find P, man. But, uh, nah, I can't give it to Precious. I'll give it to Scotty, I guess. 12 points, seven rebounds, nine assists. Uh, I like that he came on stronger. I mean, I don't even feel great about that one to be honest. But I mean, it's not like I'm gonna give it to Yakupertle. Um, not a lot of standout performances. I think Pascal really paid over a lot of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, just another really frustrating one. I'm sorry. Again, I wish I wasn't so upset by this, this game of basketball that has nothing to do with me other than professionally, but emotionally, it just really, really grinds your gears how this team plays. Um, you're a Gerald Henderson award winner. Take your pick. Um, I'm going to go with THT. And the reason I'm going with THT, even though I think Rudy Gay has a case for this, and I think Sexton definitely has a case for this. Um, and, and Kessler definitely, I mean, 23 points on 10 of 12 shooting. My goodness. Um, my reasoning for Taylor Horn Tucker is there's no reason. I've never even seen this man play good ever. That's not okay. That's not that's an exaggeration. I very rarely see Taylor Horn Tucker play good. And today the Raptors, I mean, he almost matched Scotty's production, like nine points, six rebounds, eight assists, two blocks. Like, man, he was making huge plays on the stretch. And I was just thinking of like, how have we not just like gone under a screen against ah, whatever 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 it's, this is the raptors we're gonna keep pushing for the play-in but just please play smarter please push through some of these things and listen it's not like the raptors play all bad they're up for 12 with with four or five minutes left but who's trying to hear that when you see another collapse like this oh man um okay that's for the podcast thanks everyone for listening there's another game on sunday uh so if you you know dislike american football like me you could probably watch raptors pistons but uh you know, um, yeah, I'll be have to recap for that one. And uh, yeah, in the meantime, though, the Raptors post trade deadline, 0 for 1, and that one feels like a kick to the chest. So thanks everyone for listening. Great review, subscribe. And I'll be back with you soon.